starting. <sighs> no, I didn't have a glass of wine at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's not true. It's about 10.30. Um, that's not true either. I'm teetotal. Um, only me, I did actually go running while I was on holiday because I'm starting my new fitness regime for various marathons this year, so I've got lots of weight, so there'll be less on me through this year, hopefully, uh, for you to um, avert your eyes from. So this morning, I want to start a new series, Crossing the Line. Crossing the Line. This is a new series I'm going to be uh, running through a little bit. It's, we'll still be connected with the Joy series that I ran to the end of last year on. Uh, so I just want to look at one or two things with you this year because I am properly excited about this year. Um, and so this series is going to be about the values and integrity that are Hope House Church as we grow into the future. I believe we're going to grow into the future. And so I want to touch on this stuff and deal with this stuff today um, just to kind of lay a baseline, uh, six steps, um, six, six points are going to come up just to give us a flavor for what are the foundations that, that are integral to what we are, to the identity and values of Hope House Church. Because I love this family. It's an amazing place. Um, we were totting up the different nationalities and different languages, and um, God's been really good to us, really gracious to us. And it's lovely to be here, at home, in family. And I love being at home, in family. I love being in my home. I want to tell you about my comfort place. We thought we should buy a sofa bed for the front room. So then when we had guests staying, because we've got a small house, we'd have somewhere for them to stay. The trouble is, when you have a sofa bed, and you're watching a film, <laughs> you get the sofa bed out, you bring the duvet down, and basically, if I'm at home, I'm now laid down. And it's really comfortable. And the trouble is, you get up on the morning, and you know you've got to get out early, and the sofa bed is out, and you think, ooh... And it's really difficult to be anywhere on time. But I love being at home. And so I started looking out for wonderful sofa beds. And look at these. Who would not want to curl up in a comfort zone like that, in a safe place? Oh, I love the gigantic pillow, the kind of like huge cushion thing to sprawl on. But I love the cave. Who would like to curl up in a cave bed like that? Oh, that is my idea of paradise. Nothing else exists but my comfort zone in there. Me, a good book, in there, pretending nothing's happening outside that box. Is that all right? Does that sound like a safe place? It's where I want to be. I love a good comfort zone. Comfy furniture. But what happens in a comfort zone? Nothing. I have discovered this truth in my life. When I'm on my comfort zone, nothing happens. It's very comfortable, but nothing happens. Nothing happens. I stumbled across this quote. Yeah, comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. And it's true, apart from me. I just kind of eat chocolate and lays and eat fish finger sandwiches on the sofa bed. And nothing really grows. It's comfortable. It has an appeal. Real life begins where our comfort zone ends. And through this, this morning, I want to take us beyond our comfort zone. And so what a massive, massive privilege this morning was when people come forward and say, I, I want to talk beyond my comfort zone. I love that. People are prepared to say, change costs. People are prepared to say, I I've got faith for a container being delivered. My business, that's doing something beyond comfort zone for the courage to stand and say, I believe for the future of my child. That is beyond a comfort zone. That is beyond the safe place. That is beyond accepting. That's proclaiming our God is good. And so when we jokingly say God is good and people shout out all the time, actually we actually mean God is good yeah. all the time. Yeah. And we're making that proclamation. <laughs> we're really claiming your kingdom come into those situations, into our right now moments. He's never going to let you down. We sang it. Even your container catches God's attention. The child in the womb is known. Then we realize that comfort is not the same as fulfillment or purpose. I love my comfortable place. I love it. But it's self-indulgent. It's what I want. It's where I want to be. It's what I want to experience. It's, it's the pretending nothing else is there. But it isn't fulfilling and it has no purpose, it's just comfort. 
It's just safe. But here's the thing, I've got this idea in my head that we haven't got a safe God. Does anybody feel we've got a safe God? There's a little line in one of the Narnia stories that talks about Aslan. And it says, he's not a tame lion. We've not got a tame God. We've not got a tame God. Uh, So I'm kind of beginning to realize that getting into the God zone and out of my comfort zone is going to take me into a not tame place. So we have a line to cross that can take us to a whole new level. Because we want something more than just safety, something more than just comfort. Um, And I don't think I've ever entered into a year with this level of anticipation. I'm anticipating with joy what's coming ahead. and The best is yet to come. I genuinely look at this year and I'm thinking, we're already starting conversations. We've been having conversations amongst leadership and different people across the congregation about what could be. And I actually feel a level of expectation and excitement about this year. I I genuinely have that again, the Narnia books... um, talk about everything's permanently winter and cold and grey and snowy and bleak, but suddenly it starts to melt and the sun's up a bit earlier and, and somebody says, well, Aslan's on the move, the Lord is on the move, spring is coming. I just have that sort of sense in the middle of our winter that spring is coming, yeah. the Lord is on the move. Yeah. And I really feel it, that there's a kind of Holy Spirit spring coming in the depth of our winter, there's a Holy Spirit spring coming over this church. And so I'm excited when people come and share testimonies. I'm excited when people say, hey, there's a change. See, let's be, I'm going to be cards on table. We've had an intense and hard-fought 2018 in many ways. Many individuals have. As a church, we have. We've faced some challenges and some difficulties, some problems. So 2018 has been hard-fought, but we've walked it faithfully. And we've sought to walk it with integrity the best way we possibly can. I don't doubt sometimes we've won that. Sometimes we've got it wrong. But I know the Lord is here. And in my heart, I feel the intensity is ending and the joy of the Lord is returning. We call this place hope for a reason. And when I pulled back into Barnes and saw the sign and called in on Saturday morning, we got back about one o'clock or something on, on Saturday morning. I came in here first thing Saturday morning and drove up and thought, it still says Hope House. Yeah, it's, still true. it's still true, it's still true, it still says hope over that door. It still proclaims hope into our town. And I want to be a hope carrier. We can be a hope carrier. So I'm excited about this year and the joy of the Lord because that's where our strength is. And the joy of the Lord. So I started looking ahead. I started recounting last year and the year before. And I started to realize and think about 2019 and thought about the baptisms that will be done in this room. You know, like we made a proclamation over a shipping crate. And we made proclamations over a baby. I want to make proclamations over the baptistry pool that we put just here. There will be people baptized this year in this room. We've never not done baptisms at some point in the year. We'll be doing baptisms in this room. Yeah. That'll be new lives. That'll be people saying in their discipleship walk, I'm going to walk on with God. Yeah. Well, three of us are really excited about that. <laughs> it's good that we're all sat in the front row. Yeah, it's got, I'm glad you're sat in the front row. I couldn't hear you otherwise. There will be salvations this year. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get that? There will be people that give their life to the Lord for all eternity this year in this place. Yeah. People that we know and people that we connect with, that's exciting. They're not just sort of making some faith commitment, but they're talking about discipleship that will lead to baptism and development and growth and discovery and be more like Christ. That will happen this year because that's what the commission of the church is, to go and make disciples to all nations. That is the call on us. So the issues and challenges that face our town, the good news is the big answer. Christ is the answer and we are hope carriers. We carry the hope of that good news. So there will be new connections made in this town. There will be new friendships, new conversations at work or in the shop, in the garage with the local authorities. There will be new connections made. There will be developments on this building. I have no idea how, but if we can pray for a shipping container to be delivered to Southampton instead of Liverpool from Ghana round the houses and it gets here and nothing's melted and it still works, even though it's been sprayed with some chemical, I don't know what. But you know what, God is faithful. Then I believe God can be faithful with us with roofs and development and opening our building up to serve our community and to serve our town. I believe a church that will we'll see kingdom come increasingly in this place. And I believe as a church we will fast for that. I mean, I get that you didn't cheer for some of the other stuff. I get that you didn't cheer. Well, no, I don't understand why you say people will get saved and be baptisms. Oh, good. And we'll be fasting. Stony silence. 
I'm one of those people that believes in fasting. For me, it's like I'll not eat Maltesers for a month. I kind of think the Lord has a bigger picture than that. I'll, I'll disconnect Netflix for a fortnight. Actually, that's probably not exactly that. That will free up so much time. That would be a really good thing. But I believe God is going to be calling us this year to fast for his answers and for his provision. And we will see that happen. I, mean, I think that's one of the things that God's going to call us to. Um, I'm going to unload something on the leadership next time we meet together about that 40 days before Easter and things. You know, that traditional, uh, I'll let, I'm not fasting for 40 days, don't worry. <laughs> We're going to be serving in new ways. We're going to yearn for what God has. Yeah. And we're going to commit to what God is doing. We're going to grow, I believe, in this year in the Holy Spirit, gifting and release. And you see, we see little shadows of it. So I'm excited when somebody comes up and proclaims, God makes a way where there's no way. Because that is the beginning of your kingdom come. That is the beginning of people living beyond just this moment and start saying, you know, we are connected to something eternal. We are connected to something bigger than this. And Hope House Church is connected to something bigger than this. This is not just about having a, a nice name above the building or a nice building or a badge that says I've got this title or doing that this is about the kingdom of God being released in our town this is about lifting up the name of Jesus and somehow or other he's going to do that amongst us through us we're part of that journey that God has promised that this is going to be a place for real unity for loyalty and integrity for Christ's name where our ambition to lift up Jesus' name is bigger than our ambition to lift up my own name we can be diverted from all that the Lord has called us to or we can commit to all that he proclaims and says over us, the promise of God. And we can be a joyful people. And that's what I perceive in 2019. That's what I perceive as we look to the year and years ahead, that this is a restoring of purpose, a restoring of joy, a restoring of hope, and dare I say, a restoring of fun into the heart of this place. In my heart, I can see the ideas that God has hallmarked for us in this place. God's assignment for us that may mean laying down our personal assignments to pick up his assignment. There will always be reasons why not to step out now. But those reasons are always overridden by why we can step out right now in Christ. Do you understand? There's always a reason why not. There's always a reason why not. And I could get you all to line up and you could all give me a really good reason why we can't do this thing, why we can't say that, why we can't go there, why we can't be part of. But here's the deal. In Christ, there's always a reason to. There's always a reason to begin. Because he's always doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? I feel that the Lord is opening the door to joy and fun and connecting to real people in a, with a real God in real life in a way that we've never seen before. So I genuinely feel excited. I have led by the pool thinking, this is really weird. I am so tragic. So at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, I'm led by the pool thinking, this is great. I wonder what God's doing. I wonder what's happening. I wonder what's saying. Has somebody brought anything? I wonder what the worship's like. I wonder what the word's like. What is God doing? What's happening to people during the week? I wonder how that's feeling. I wonder how this is going on. It's just kind of there all the time. I am the most boring person in the world. I am constantly thinking about and asking about and wondering about the church. I once went on holiday with Paul and someone said, we're going on holiday, but whatever you do, never mention the church. We're having a holiday. I had nothing to say for two weeks. <laughs> I had nothing to say. I was the world's most boring person. Whatever's happening now in this place, I kind of live out. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Is it bad? I'm miserable. Is it, like, it's kind of... Because this is God's family. Yeah. This is God's family. Yeah. And here's the amazing thing. The church is so precious that Christ died for it. Yeah. And he loves it. So who am I to not love the church? And I want to lay my life down for it and to adore it because Christ did. Church where we value the culture. I believe God is bringing us a place where we value the culture. I am excited about some of the cultural things that are going to go off in this place. Some of the national things that we're, we're thinking about for this place. Some of the release of, of different cultures and different styles. It's going to be exciting. And then I read these verses in Scripture. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. That is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor, the, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is massive. It's massive. 
doesn't matter what your history, what your background is, what, what part of the planet you were born on, what street you were born on, who your parents were, what's happened in your history. Here's the deal. You commit your life to Christ and you are clothed in Christ and suddenly you belong. You're not just part of this family here. You're part of history. You're part of God's journey from the moment he began to think about you for eternity before. And you are part of his eternal kingdom going ahead. At that moment you belong. If you've never felt you belong and you feel you're out of place, get hold of this. You belong to Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed. And Abraham really represents all the promises of God. All the promises of God. All the promises of God. You become heir to those things. That is your life. That is us together. So listen to that. That's why this year is a year of celebration. Every year is a year of celebration of the Lord's favor. So, despite shaking the hostility of our enemy around this place, which there's been some of that, I wholeheartedly believe that Hope House Church is called to connect nationalities, and ages, and cultures, and histories within God's kingdom, and seen in his church. It thrills and excites me that even as we're meeting here, across the road, the Latvian church is meeting. Yeah. They're meeting there because none of them speak proper English. So it's helpful that they meet and speak Latvian. But God is moving amongst them. Yeah. God is moving amongst them. God is doing something. We've been able to enable that and to release that and host that. How amazing is that? I was talking to some friends that came up to the wedding last night and, and they were sort of talking about Barnsley and said, oh, there are people that are all different colours around Barnsley. I've never noticed that before. Well, actually, I've not been here for 25 years. And it was really, but wow. And we were saying, well, these are different nations, different nationalities, different languages that people speak. And it was so exciting when they were saying, wow. Look at what God is doing. Look at what the possibilities are. And they were thrilled to see that God has begun to do something in this town. But our church needs to get hold of that. We need to get hold of nationalities and think differently, think bigger. Think the way that God does. We need some, some foundations for that. And I want to touch on those foundations. So this is a piece of scripture from Romans 12. It's about the integrity of the body of Christ, the church. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's a very beautiful thing that each one of us belongs to all the others. She says, why well, I'm excited when somebody stands up. See, when Susie stands here and talks about uh, shipping freight, I know the background, some of that stuff, and the challenges, the step of faith to, to do something, to serve, to grow. And I'm overwhelmed by the faithfulness of somebody that just declares God's promises over her life, over situations, over people, and walks with such integrity and faith before God. It blesses me. And I sit there thinking... Oh, I'm supposed to be the pastor of the church. I can't do that. I can't. And then somebody comes and stands here and, and, you know, Claire talks about change. I know the stuff that's happening in her life and she's prepared still to stand here again and again and say, this is what the Lord can do. And I sit there thinking, oh, I can't do that. And then Jackie comes and says, I want to make a proclamation about the Lord's goodness over my child. And I sit there thinking, I am too afraid to do that. Although I mean, I'm the pastor, I need to do something about that. You know, this takes incredible courage, incredible faith. How good is our God? How good is our God that we each belong to one another? Because then that level of faith, that level of passion and commitment belongs to all of us. Church, I want you to understand that is that amount of belief and trust and faith within this church. So if you're lacking in it, if you're frightened of things, know this. There are people in this church with passion and commitment that can carry you. And that's wonderful because there'll be moments when you can carry them. That's the beauty of the integrity of the body of Christ. Because integrity means two things. Integrity is about character and about structure. Here are some words when I looked in the Oxford Dictionary about character. When you talk about the integrity of the church uh, or just integrity. It's honesty, uprightness, probity. I'm not sure what that one is. Um, rectitude, I don't know what that one is. Honour, uh, ethics, righteousness, morality, nobility, virtue, decency, fairness, sincerity, faithfulness, trustworthiness. What I do know is they're words that sound like Christ. So there needs to be integrity of character, 
over Hope House Church. But then there's integrity of structure as well that goes with that. And these are the words that match integrity of structure, which I think sound like Christ Church. It sounds like the vision he has for us. It talks about unity, unification, wholeness, coherence, cohesiveness, undividedness, togetherness, one. I think God wants to have an integrated church of integrity, of love. So there's six steps that will take us to this, this picture of joy and fun and hope resting over this church that can bless our town and lift up the name of Jesus. Number one, if you take your notes, number one, the ability to connect authentically so that we build trust. The ability to connect authentically so we build trust. We don't think of ourselves, those scriptures we said earlier, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought we're honest about what we are and who we are. And we're honest about Christ in our midst. This is life without agenda. This is the purity of loving unconditionally. So if we're connecting with people, connecting with people in your workplace or your neighbours, we do it without an agenda. We do it simply because we authentically love people. Church, be people that love. So I encourage you. We need the ability to connect authentically. So build trust. Number two, the ability to walk in truth so we have real connections. Again, this sober judgment and awareness of ourselves. Who here knows that they're perfect? Raise your hand now. Wow. <laughs> You're a wind-up merchant, so I feel safe on that one. Who here spends most of their time knowing that they're just not good enough? But here's the deal. We can live in a body that isn't the business of judging other people, but bearing with one another and loving them and laying our lives down for them and walking in truth and building real connections, seeking to be Christ-like, because that's the heart of Scripture. You know, the phrase one another is so common in the New Testament. Love one another, bear with one another, all these kinds of phrases, they're so common in Scripture. This encouragement to walk in truth before one another. It's that place where I stop trying to fix people and start asking how I can be like Christ in a situation. You see, there are lots of things in this town that we can't fix. People that we can't fix, but we can be Christ in that situation. We can bring the love of Christ into that situation, and that can bear fruit and bring transformation. So number three, the ability to serve and finish well. The ability to serve and finish well are finished Finish is unity. When we are, we are striving to that, we are pressing towards that, we're calling for God's energy for that. Ephesians 4 verse 12 says this, that, we, that the gifts of leadership are given to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow. That is one of our primary calls you know, it's one of the primary calls of leadership. It's one of the primary calls of prophetic word. It's one of the primary calls of healing, of, of, of pastoring, of teaching, of apostleship. It's one of bringing people to maturity and unity. That needs to be the catch of what we are. So the wake that we leave, the, 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 the flow behind us, what we, believe, what we leave from conversations needs to be one of unity. So guard your heart. And be sure that when you're talking, when you're encouraging, when you're speaking, when you're praying for, when you're sharing coffees with, in this place, the words that you bring and the heart that you bring, the attitude that you bring, is one of unity, of building. What can I say that will build Neil up? He is amazing. I've got a whole list of issues I've got with him. If I point them out to him, is it going to change his life dramatically? Well, I'll probably wind him up, and he's bigger than I am, so I'm not going to do that. But what if I encourage him? What if I stir him up? What if I speak God's promises over him? What if we recognize what people are doing? Even when they get it wrong, what if we recognize that they're striving and working towards getting it right, and they're growing, and they're disciples? Have you ever seen a child trying to walk? Do you know, when my children were trying to walk, they kept falling over. So I dragged them across, and I slapped their legs. You lazy, lazy child not walking. You're falling over all the time. So I slapped Robert's legs and he carried on crawling. He wouldn't walk. Joe was nearly two before he got on with walking. Lazy, lazy child. So I reminded him that he's too lazy and won't walk all the time. Even though he's 32 now, he just won't walk. That's not going to encourage any child to walk. You love them, you encourage them, you get them excited. 
you sit them on the potty and you go, yay! And then they learn to sit on the potty by themselves. It's exactly the same. I still have to do that now. <laughs> Dad, I'm going upstairs. Yay! <laughs> now go back up and flush it. And put the seat down. What if we speak well of people in this place and speak the goodness? I, do you know what? We could all line up and find all the issues and faults in people's lives. Easiest thing in the world. But what if we stand in front of them and say, the Lord loves you completely. Yeah. And he's given his life over for you. And he's, he just adores what you're going to grow into because he adores you right now. What if we begin to see people that way instead of doing that kind of... Because scripture tells us not to judge and not to condemn, but to love and to build up and to press towards one of unity. So the ability to serve and finish well, and our finish well is one of unity. It's about the work that we leave as God's people, the fruit that we bear. Let's be sure that the, the words and the actions bear fruit of unity. This is, what, this, is, this is that moment when we actually do what Scripture says and prefer one another over what I want and what I need. What does Neil need? What does Neil want in the Lord? How can I serve that? If we carry that heart, something changes. Number four, the ability to acknowledge. Number four, the ability to acknowledge and deal with the challenges. Because there will be some. Have you noticed that? Who became a Christian and thought it was going to be all right? I know I did. My life's needing a bit of a mess. I need to become a Christian. Then it'll all be all right. (gasps) Hold on a minute. Does anybody ever feel shortchanged when they became a Christian? Well, I do. Just me. I felt really robbed because people witnessed to me and said things like, oh, you need to become a Christian and your life will be wonderful. The Lord will bless you. I need some of this. Just a minute. Stuff keeps happening to me. It's just that I'm a Christian now and stuff keeps happening to me. Whereas before I wasn't a Christian and stuff kept happening. Now I'm a Christian, actually, but now I'm a Christian and stuff happens. I've got somewhere to draw on. I've got somewhere to turn to. I've got a foundation. I've got a future. I've got people around me. So yes, the world still happens. Life still happens, but I no longer do it alone. I do it with people that God has placed around me to support me, to encourage me, to challenge me, to stir me. But I also have a God that is eternal. So challenges still happen. Get used to it. Acknowledge it. But the Lord brings us together as church and gathers us for a reason so that we can support and build up, so we can encourage and admonish. So to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So when I became a Christian, I realized my thinking began to change. My perception, understanding of what God was doing shifted. So my understanding of issues changes. So I can see something like Brexit on television. And I can join in the panic and pandemonium and put silly comments on my Facebook page. But here's the deal. God is bigger. And for our American friends here, the Lord bless you. At least we've only got Brexit. But God is bigger than those situations. They're tiny compared with the size of our Lord. Compared with what he will do. Because we are on the winning side. We have victory in Christ. So for all the machinations and all this stuff, there's even God gives us a precious verse in Scripture that talks about our planning and our plotting and God looks and laughs. Thank you, Lord, that you look at our best efforts to be clever and you smile. Because he's gracious. I have no desire to remain the same. I want my mind to be renewed. Um, I get frustrated when people say, I am what I am. Anybody ever said, I am what I am? Yeah, I do it all the time. But here's the deal. You're happy to... Oh, now that's different. Oh, that's clever, Rosa. You've caught me out. I'm happy to be me, but being me in Christ will be forever changing. And forever growing and becoming more Christ-like. That is very different to Popeye saying, I am what I am. We want to be growing and changing. We want to be being transformed. We're a people of transformation. And this is the promise over our town. If we're a people of transformation, being transformed, then the good news of Jesus Christ that we're taking into our town needs to mean that our town can be transforming. Do you understand that? So that our town's reputation can shift. That we bring good news. And that's a joyful thing. It's the death of intensity and pressure, and it's the release of joy of the Lord, especially for those around us. So let's learn to be joyful people. Let's learn to be joyful because God has not finished with us yet. So when my child falls over, what do I do? Do I get angry because the child fell over, or do I celebrate for the one step he took? I want to tell you, in God, when we fall over, 
He is filled with grace and love for us. And he celebrates the step that we then take. He celebrates when we pull ourselves up on the furniture and we take one step further on. He celebrates when we begin to toddle along with our olden furniture. He celebrates when we do that funny thing that children do when they're running, but they're not really running, they're just falling in slow motion with their legs moving until eventually they can run and they can jump and they can skip and they can somersault. And if they can't do that physically, they can do it in their lives, in their heart, in their mind, in their character, in who they are. And that's what God sees in us, in our character, in who we are before Christ. They're learning to walk, they're learning to be, they're learning to grow. They're learning to be all that I can be in Christ. Number five, the ability to want growth. This is us uh, overcoming our fear and multiplying in depth and number. You know, I've got a, got a bit of a shocker for you, and I've said it before. God does want us to grow in depth, but he also wants us to grow in number. God is into big church because he talks about a great crowd of witnesses. Look, God's into big. God sends multitudes of angels to, to announce to a little bunch of shepherds on a hillside the good news that Christ is born. He's not into like subtle. So I have this weird wrestle that goes off because I like quiet and I like small and yet I know God wants to go big. But that doesn't mean I lose my individuality but it does mean that he's many. Um, if you look at the word... Um, in scripture and look at what it's talking about this word many um, this growth word in scripture it, it really can be translated through the Greek so it's words like numerous and countless innumerable, multitudinous numberless, multiple untold and then the last one it can, it can be translated as more so God looks at his people and effectively says more so he looks at Hope House and he says more so we've stuck all our chairs out of the way. And God says of those chairs, more chairs. And we think, we've got a great building. And God says, more. Why? Well, because we'll look good then. We'll be the impressive town. We'll be the impressive church. No. Because that's all served, brought into the family of God. Because that equips us to send people out, enabled and capable. It allows us to be missionaries into our world, to touch this world with good news. That's why God wants more. It's a child learning and growing. You see, we're not called to maintain, but to multiply. We're not called to fix life, but to be fruitful in life. We're not called to wait for God to move, but to be God's movement. That's his kingdom come. We are carriers of his kingdom come. And it's a little unnerving and scary, but look at the joy of salvation and growth. That will bring joy. That will bring joy. When we grow. Have you ever baptized somebody and felt miserable about it? Have you ever seen somebody give their life to the Lord and thought, ooh. Have you ever seen somebody worship and thought, it's a joyful thing. It's a joyful thing. Number six, the ability to be authentically spiritual. And it's all right, I'm nearly done now. The ability to be authentically spiritual in real life. Who likes to be real life people? Look, I've got to be honest with you. I've really tried to be dead spiritual. I am just not good at it. I just, I like, I, I thank the Lord we discovered this phrase, connecting real God to real people in real life. Because I just can't maintain sanctimonious very long. I just wind up being ordinary. And I sit and, and, I, and I run out of spiritual words to use. I just don't fit. Um, never call me reverend, whatever you do. Never call me, I mean, I know some of you jokingly call me bish and all sorts of things like that. And I, I squirm when you say pastor. Um, I just think Pastor Paul sounds like something you should eat with tomato sauce on. And I have this weird role, being the kind of key employee in the church, that I get to live this stuff out, but I'm surrounded by people that carry Christ into their everyday situation. You're the group of people in front of me, and you carry Christ into your everyday situation. Some of you will be sat on airplanes today, and you've got a chance to carry Christ on an airplane. 
Some of you have to work tomorrow. Some of you go to Morrison's because you all sin and shop on Sundays. That's where I'm going. But you get to be Christ in Morrison's. Do you know how much harder it is to be Christ in Morrison's this afternoon than it is to be Christ in this room right now? It's easy to be godly in church. It's a whole different game being godly in Morrison's later. Especially some of the people in their bad trolley etiquette. Church, we need to be authentically, actually Christian. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Oh, that's a whole new level, isn't it? Not my will, not my pleasure, not my purpose, not my dream, not my desire, but God's. Why do I need transforming? Because my default setting is look after me. But God's default setting is me giving over to him. So this is it. This is what I've got. Some of it's good. Some of it's a mess. Some of it wants to be. Some of it longs to be. Some of it's a nightmare. Some of it's great. But Lord, you know what? This is what I am. This is it, Lord. So begin to transform me. Church, I encourage you this morning to know that this year we can give ourselves all heartedly, humbly to Christ and that he will never let you down. He's never let us down. It's the death of personal ambition and it's the truth of preferring one another in Christ. Maturing beyond my personal will and sacrificing away and saying, Lord, not my will, not my way, but yours. That's the call on this place. And here's the deal. When we do that, we find a place of joy. We find a place of strength. We find a place of hope. We find a place of deliverance. We find a place of transformation. We find a place of fun. I've got this idea. Tell me if I'm wrong right now. But the disciples walked about with Jesus for a number of years. Did he only tell them parables for four years? Poor-faced parables for four years. Do you think that's what he did? <laughs> so that's what we're going to do as a church. I think, in your heart of fun, the trouble is when we read Scripture, we always do it with that kind of voice, where so much of what Jesus was saying was fun, were jokes, were comments, were exaggerations, were like, guys, let me explain this simple concept to you. And he'd tell an outrageous parable that would have drawn laughs from the people who had understood the concept. Oh, God, I'm allowed to say, I put it on Facebook recently, I've got all sorts of comments. I think God wants church to be fun. And I've never had so many comments. How dare you? We must be sober before the Lord. Hey, listen, I was going to hell. I was lost. Once I was darkness, now I'm a child of light. And I have my eternity sown up. I am not going to be miserable about that. That's a really happy thing. It's meant to be fun. So four of us that have understood that in this room are really excited. The rest of you, work it out. I was lost and now I'm found. This is, the, this is the father that runs to a prodigal and places a gown back on him and a ring back on his finger and says, you're part of the household, you belong here. And the father runs and celebrates that. He doesn't stand there saying, what time is this? So you're back then. Father God never does that. He runs to us with excitement. How many people in this town have given their lives to the Lord over the years and drifted away? Lost their walk across this town. People we won't even meet. I know some of them. People I've got chatting to. Conversations I've had even this week. And just imagine when they come back. We must be a church that is warm and loving and welcoming and connecting and fun. So that they get an idea of God's character and Christ's character when they meet us. So that they know when we love them. Wow, if they love me, how much more will God love me? How much more excitable will God be to see me return? Not condemned, but forgiven and released. Built up, belonging, gathered. That's maturity. Knowing his good, pleasing and perfect will. And just for your information, the the phrase that we use, it can be interpreted as it's the only intelligent thing to do. To give your life to Christ. It's the only intelligent thing to do. Knowing his good, pleasing and perfect will. In the Greek, you can literally write down It's the only intelligent thing to do to surrender to Christ, to give him your heart and your mind and all this stuff. So church, if you're intelligent this morning, and if you're not, bluff. I've been doing it for about quite a few years now. Bluff, because God will step in. This year I anticipate a release that is beyond Jew or Greek, slave or free. Can I have the band back, please? 
and the congregation breathes our relief. This year, I anticipate a release that is beyond Jew or Greek, beyond Ghanaian or Nigerian, um, Zimbabwean, Romanian, Chilean, American, <laughs> Scottish even, Welsh, Irish, English, French, Dutch, German, Yorkshire, Lancashire, Southerners. Oh, that drew well. That was interesting, wasn't it? I've mentioned everything, and then you say Southern. God is bigger. Be released. God is bigger than that. God is bigger than male or female, young or old. He's bigger than the human divisions that our society brings. He's a God who gathers, builds up, and sends out in unity and purpose. Church, I just want to say to you this morning, I anticipate that that should be fun. You put me in the same space as a Susie with her culture and my culture, that should be fun. It should not be dull. I went to Romania last year. It was not dull. It was remarkable. It was remarkable. Church, we're going to sing in a minute. But I want to encourage you to know that we're not called to just maintain this. We're called to multiply. We're not called to fix our lives. We're called to be fruitful. We're not called to wait for God to move. But we are called to be God's movement. His kingdom come people. And so we had three people this morning that stood up and proclaimed, I will multiply. I will not fix this. I will be fruitful. I will not maintain. I will grow and multiply. I will not just wait for God to move. I will proclaim God's movement. Church, I simply want to say to you as we stand before this year, I know lots of stuff goes off, lots of stuff has gone off, lots of stuff will go off. But here's the deal. God has made promises over this town. God has made eternal promises over this town. And one thing I do know is that I'm a Christian and I belong to the Lord. One thing I do know is that this is a church of God that is faithfully doing its best to walk before him and that is full of people that love him. And we're in a town that needs to know Jesus. And so I know God's not done with us yet. God's not done with your situation. God's not done with the things happening around you. But what I do know is we can stand together and we can proclaim multiply. We can proclaim God's movement. We can proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We can proclaim that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when he puts a group of people like this together, it's either going to be painful or fun. And I believe the Lord says it can be fun because this is a family. And when my family get together, we like to have fun. We like to enjoy our company. And so I'm going to pray very simply and hand over to the band. And where you are, where you're stood, I want to encourage you. If your heart is for this, if your heart is to multiply if your heart is to grow, if your heart is to be a movement, a part of movement for God, if your heart is one for unity and pressing to all that God has promised for this town, that we get the privilege of being good news carriers. Think on that. We get the privilege of talking about salvation. If that's you, I want to encourage you to do like those three amazing women of faith did this morning. And they stood up and proclaimed God's goodness in their situation just by standing to your feet in worship I encourage you that can be you proclaiming the Lord's goodness in your situation if you want to come and stand at the front then we will come and pray with you and encourage you and stir you up and stand with you and if you're feeling weak then we'll seek to have faith and strength for you and around you so feel free to come here if that's what you want to do we will encourage that but just as we worship now we give this to the Lord and so Lord we're not at the first weekend of 2019, but Lord, we give you this thing called Hope House. We give you our lives. And for our visitors here this morning, Lord, we present them to you. And we say, Lord, would you, would you show your face to them? Would they know your presence in their lives? Lord, would they see authentically around us and through us for all our weakness and mistakes and failure? Would they get a glimpse of who Jesus Christ really can be? Lord, we want to pray over this church and over this town that this year would know the Lord's favor. Pray for the churches across this borough. Lord, that your face will be turned to them, your spirit would rest on them. But Lord, pray for this congregation. We're responsible for it, we're in it. We pray for Hope House. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us, 
you'd renew us, you'd strengthen us, you would empower us to be your witnesses, even to the ends of the earth, that you would do a new thing amongst us. And Lord, one thing I do pray for this year, that it will be a year of joy, a year of hope, and that we would have fun in Christ. Amen. As you're ready, if you feel it's right, please join us as we stand and worship. And if you want to be, receive prayer, feel free to come and stand with us and we will pray with you. I was buried beneath my shame who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn to love and I was breathing, but not alive. And all my failures, I tried. It was my turn Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Now your mercy has saved my soul But I know the old made you Jesus when I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. My sin was heavy The chains break at the weight of your glory I need a shelter I was an orphan Now you call me a citizen of heaven When I was broken You were my healing Now your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future My eyes are open Cause when you call my name I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You call my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness to your glorious day
called my name, that you called each and every one of our names, Lord Jesus, and that is so worthy of praise. Lord, we pray for this coming year, Lord, that this place would just be just be known as a house of joy, Lord. Amen. Oh, 